Did you see that? What? A luxury car just flew up out of the water like a champagne cork. Ugh, oh, so irresponsible. That's how you get Mercedes Benz. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast. We're two queer trans women. That's us. We're wifey types. We talk about the media we've consumed in the week and do silly voices and skits and generally just have a bit of a media-based catch-up. How are you doing? Um, chilly. Yeah. Winter has happened. Winter has definitely happened. I'm wearing two pairs of trousers today and a hoodie and I'm under a blanket and I'm still quite chilly. It's Uh, a a chilly day. I've got my boots on. I've got a hat and a scarf and, and gloves. Yeah, yeah, winter just sort of happened. Like, it went from naught <laughs> to a hundred. It really did. It, 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 we, we had a little bit of a, a sneeze of winter, like, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I was like, well, that's it, that's the end of it. And we had some rain and... No, but this this was like um, when people advertise those sports cars that go from naught to 60 in, like, 0.2 seconds, yeah. but for weather. And, and the number go down. Yeah, what if, what if the temperature just dropped from, like, 19 to minus something? Just fucking yes. catapult down. Yes. But it's like zero degrees. Like, yay, lovely. But it's okay, because we've been inside playing things. What have you been playing this week? Well, we played some things together. Yeah, what did we play together? Well, we played a whole bunch of Frosthaven. Yeah, we did. We we've did. continued our big, big, lengthy, epic quest up in the northern mountains, our sort of tactical tactical combat game. Yeah, one wandering around a weird complex full of strange robots. Yeah, it, it was... It was a nice session. So we we played like maybe three games over a weekend with some friends. Yeah. And um, we had a few missions with non-standard objective types, Ooh. I think we can say. Yeah, because the, the Gloomhaven was criticised a lot for the fact that a lot of the mission types were kill everything. Yeah. The end. And, you know, some of these are still that. And some of them are like just, you know, survive and run through. But I think... Like, this batch of of um, sort of hex-based combat we did this weekend was helped by the fact that, like, we had several missions back-to-back where if a single party member got exhausted and ran out of resources, mm-hmm. the whole party failed. Yes. And sort of pairing... People were less reckless than yeah, usual. and sort of pairing that with, you, we got to, I don't know, run through and get out the other end, or we got to escort the person around or whatever, mm. um, led to some, some fun-paced adventuring. Oh. Uh, I specced a lot more into healer and support class and barely attacked at all than I had done before. With, I built with... a boat. Yeah, you did. Yeah? Yeah. We've got a boat now. We've got a boat now. It's called the FFPS My Immortal. Because <laughs> my character calls, is called Ebony Darkness to Measure Raven Way, the Bone Shaper. Uh, we've reached our first winter. We have. Um, we don't we, know what's going to happen, but we have we, reached we winter. Had one, we had one week or one unit of time left before winter, and we managed to squeeze three missions in and finish a narrative arc. Yes. Which I think is about as good as we could have hoped for right before yes. winter. Yes, considering the changes that made to the um, the like outpost and, and road decks. Yeah. I think think we probably made a very good decision about not only that set of things, but also um finishing it at that time. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like we've achieved uh, a lot. Yeah. I, I need to sit down at some point and like calculate how many missions we've done. But yeah. I, feel, I feel like we've made a good chunk out of the 130 or something missions I think that are in this. I reckon, like, at a, at a guess, I'd, I'd hazard to say we're probably like 20 or 30. Yeah, somewhere in that in. region, I would say. Um, uh, I made some progress on a, on a puzzle in, in the, our little book of puzzles we had to, to tackle. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I was packing the game away. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a puzzle we'd been like mulling over last time we, we met to play this, which was like a few months ago. And suddenly I, I saw a thing and I was like, oh, I, I think I see it. I gotta, I gotta do this before I forget. I gotta, I gotta do this. So I think I made some progress, but we're still missing a thing. We need to finish that one, I think. But yeah, I'm continuing to very much enjoy, uh, Frosthaven as our, like, Every couple of months, we just have a weekend with the boys. The boys, and just go go fight some monsters together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else have you been playing? Tell us things. Uh, should I get my PlayStationy things out of the way? Because oh, sure. there's yeah, a few yeah. things. So we didn't talk about it last week, but I have. Uh, I got to spend I think seven hours playing with the PS5 Access controller, mm. uh, which is. PlayStation's accessibility controller that's releasing in December. It's sort of their answer to things like the Xbox Adaptive Controller. Um, the big difference, and I'll sort of get this out of the way up front, is the Xbox Adaptive Controller is primarily a hub for plugging other devices into. Um, it has a large A button and B button, and I know some people use that for things like, um, like controlling with their feet, just to have like two button, like big buttons that are easy to press with feet. Mm-hmm. But primarily, it is a hub that has like twenty little inputs around the outside, so you can plug external three point five millimeter inputs in to fully customize every uh, control on a Xbox controller. Mm. Um, the PS Five Access controller is definitely not that. Yeah. Um, so one PS Five Access controller has four of those 3.5mm ports. Uh, you can have two of them in a setup for a total of eight external ports, which mm. is less than half the number available on the Xbox Adaptive Controller. In exchange, what you get uh, for, for on each of these these controllers is a built-in analog stick, which you don't have on the Xbox Adaptive Controller, which can be sort of swapped between a couple of different top types, including one that's like a, um arcade joystick, mm-hmm. um, and nine... Uh, buttons around the edges of a circle with one large button in the center and these can be sort of changed in shape and size to make them more comfortable to hit and sort of you can reorient this this controller and you can basically swap out which buttons wear around this circle Mm. um it is a lot smaller in person than it looks in like image renders in the the sleek white void of promotional images Mm. um it is Maybe a little longer than a standard PC mouse, but circular is the best way I can, like, kind of approximate its size. Yeah. Um, for me, it meant I was able to be like, I can have my thumb and four of my fingers sort of around the top edge on five different inputs, and my palm, like, my wrist hitting one button down the bottom, the flat of my palm hitting the centre, mm. um, and sort of be hitting, like, seven inputs fairly comfortably on one hand. Um... There's a lot I like about this controller. I like um, I like the setup wizard and how easily easily uh, organized it is, and how easy it is to like in the middle of gameplay hop in, hop out, uh, change your configuration. I like that you can so you've got these little rubber inserts you can put into the buttons to sort of remind yourself what the button mappings are and change them all around. Mm-hmm. Um, Get some blanks to draw your yeah. own. 
I like that you can do things like have uh, double width button caps, so you can have like you can map one button on this to be two inputs on a controller. With a double width button, you can press once and activate four buttons on a controller. That's really Ooh. neat. Um, there's a lot of neat stuff like that. Um, I think that the swapping in keycaps is really like fr from just like a build quality perspective is really nice. There, there is a basic, very easy to, to push low resistance button on the side to lift these things off. And when you want to put a new one on, a, a magnet sort of guides it into place and it just sort of clicks back in. Mm. Um, there's a lot I like about it. And personally, I really appreciate that this is an accessibility controller that you can just sort of, you don't have to do like all the cable management and like, right, if I want to use this, I've got to get it out of the box, plug all the inputs into it, put them all in the right places, get it all set up. It is nice to have an accessibility controller where all of the configuration is done sort of on the one device and you just sort of turn it on and it's ready and it remembers it's set up because it's stored on the device, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That is all really nice. My big issue is that it feels like there is no real reason this couldn't have had more 3.5mm inputs. Um, it might have had to be a little larger, it might have knocked the price up a little. It is £80 for one of these, 160 for a pair. When you're already talking at that price, I feel like the slight additional cost to put another 10 or so headphone ports in mm. isn't going to break the bank on what's already an expensive device. And while I really appreciate the form factor it has, and I think it's really interesting, I can't stop thinking about the fact that this if you're someone that can't use this in the form it comes in, be it... Uh, the way the buttons are laid out just isn't comfortable for you, or you just need things more spread out than this will accommodate for, or the buttons are too high resistance for you, there is not enough ports for you to use this as a hub for external inputs. Um, if you need all of your ex your inputs to be external devices that you can customise. And that feels like a needless omission. It feels like this could have been a standalone controller with enough ports to also be a hub. But instead, it feels like they've gone, we want our accessibility controller to be a standalone accessibility controller that shouldn't need ports, therefore we're going to limit how many we give you, because you're not going to need them. It's like, yeah, what about the people who do need them, though? Uh, beyond that, my biggest issue with it is not even an issue with it, it's a frustration in the larger PlayStation ecosystem, which is that there's a bunch of really cool accessibility features as part of the setup for this access controller mm. that... PlayStation have not on the record said are coming to the main PlayStation firmware uh, for like DualSense controller, uh, regular PS5 controller users. Mm. And I don't trust PlayStation to make these things available to everyone. I, f I really get the vibe some of these things are going to be PS5 access controller ex uh, exclusive. Things like the ability to select a button press and go, when I press that button, toggle a hold on and off. Things that are really useful accessibility settings to offer that aren't offered on like the, the default firmware, but are being offered to access controller users. Mm. And I'm like, please offer that to everyone. Don't make it exclusive to this controller variant. Yes. Um, and there are other ways you can hold a, a DualSense, <laughs> yes. by the way. Yeah, yeah. So one, one of my problems with um, PS5's equivalent of Copilot mode right now is that it doesn't let... Uh, so, on Xbox, there's co-pilot mode. You can have two controllers uh, basically acting as one user. Mm. Now, on Xbox, you can separately map both of those controllers to have different button uh, mapping configurations. You can rotate one of them and not the other and have one of them have its analog sticks function in a different orientation. 
PlayStation doesn't offer that. They do offer it for the access controller. And when I asked if that would come to DualSense as well, they said, no, there's one way to hold a DualSense. And I'm like, yeah, but what about the people who need to hold it a different way? The branding! And this is kind of the frustration I'm having here. Is like, It feels like they have an intended use case that they have branded and it's different from their competition and all of these sort of marketing-y things that feel like they've gotten in the way of... It feels like there's something standing in the way of you suggesting something like, could this also come to DualSense? And them going, that's a really good idea. We hadn't thought about it. That that might be helpful to people. We'll look into it. Mm. And instead being like, no, that's not the brand guidelines. Mm. Um, which is a little frustrating. Like, don't get me wrong. I really like these controllers. Um, I am really intrigued by them personally. I'm just frustrated that they seem to have needlessly limited who they can be for. Because, like... That that lack of robust port offering just feels like a needless negative that didn't need to be that way. Mm. Um, also of note, and this will lead on to talking about the other PlayStation thing I have to talk about today, um, all of the buttons on it are digital. None of them are analog, which is important for games that require, at times, like degrees of pulling a trigger. Mm. Uh, so you're going to have to get external... Um, uh, inputs at the very least for those which brings me on to a game that does have that gameplay in it and I don't think there's a way to get around it which is Spider-Man 2 uh-huh. uh, which uh, Spider-Man 2 I really fucking love that game um, this is uh, how do I even talk about this so um, Spider-Man 2 is everything I enjoyed about the original PS4 Spider-Man and the Miles Morales follow up uh, just sort of turned up um, it took everything I really enjoyed about those, which are, like, those are some of the only open-world uh, adventure games I've ever, like, 100%ed, got the platinum trophy, done all the achievements. Mm. I don't usually feel that way about open games. These are just so fun to move around in, and, like, the core gameplay loop is so fun. I really like these games. And yeah. Spider-Man 2, no different. Um, I really like that when you're not on story missions that are explicitly about one character and one character only. You can play as either Peter Parker or Miles Morales, and in my experience, I played this 99% as a Miles Morales game, where occasionally Peter had a story going on, um, and I'm glad the game let me do that. Uh, there is a new uh, web wings mechanic, which is like a sort of flying squirrel ad uh, sort of suit adaptation, and it is ridiculous how fast you can move across this open world now. Mm. Um, you can sort of just like... Just twang. Yeah, sort of catapult yourself into the air by making a slingshot out of webs, fire yourself into the air, glide, sort of boost up into the air a bit. Uh, as you start losing height, you go back to swinging and you throw yourself up in the air for more height and then just sort of glide over the city. This, The Spider-Man games already were some of the most satisfying open world games to move around in I've ever played. This made it better. Mm. Uh, this wingsuit mechanic like gelled with what they were doing with the with the it 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 meshes with the swinging really really well. It feels very at home in that move set. Mm. Um, talking a little bit mechanically about it, um, I think this game does a much better job of its side quest content. Um, there's a lot less focus on solve it on like doing random crime fighting throughout the city constantly. Um, they sort of minimise how much of that you're expected to do. Uh, the side quests are introduced to you as sort of story quests. You have your first interaction with the side quest chain in the main story. And if you go and do those quests, uh, there's far fewer like 
bits per side quest to do. Um, you get a new side quest that's like, hey, go fight these uh, bases for this this villain. Uh, there's like, oh, there's like four of them in the, in, in the open world. Go find like the four of them there are to do. Mm. So you, you're not doing the same side quest over and over and over. And then you get a big chunk of story at the end of it that's like a big narrative reward that sort of makes it feel like you've got something decent for doing it. Mm. Uh, I really appreciate that. They're all aesthetically and gameplay-wise very different side quests. Um, the main quest, very, very sweet. Um, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this is telling the symbiote Venom symbiote story uh, that, you know, you'll have seen versions of this in... certainly in the trailer. Yeah, you'll have seen versions of this in other Spider-Man media. But what I think this does really well is in a lot of Spider-Man media, media that tries to tell um, Venom stories and uh, another character you see in trailers that I'll, I'll mention here is Harry Osborn. Both Venom stories and Harry Osborn stories are ones where I tend to find it very hard to see why Peter likes some of the people in these stories. Hmm. Uh, Harry Osborn's a great example of this. Like, in a lot of Spider-Man stories where Harry Osborn is present, he comes across as just, like, an unlikable, ner- like, nerdy jerk. Hmm. Um, the kind of person where you st- you're like, oh, he's going to turn on, on Peter. Like, two minutes in, it already feels like he's ready to double-cross you. Yeah. Um, this is my favourite ever depiction of, Har- of of um of Harry Osborn in a Spider-Man piece I of feel media. Like I I genuinely like start to finish I believe their very sincere friendship and anything that goes wrong between them I'm never like oh we're doing the Harry Osborn thing now. It's always like I just want you two to be okay. You're so good for each other and you just need to be okay mm. um i cared about them very deeply and i think that their their storyline is very very good um i think miles definitely has miles's story is less the driving force of the the overall narrative mm. he has a narrative and it is very important for him and his own development and i feel like it's setting up future spider-man games um he has like a really interesting story that like isn't the reason why the the big quote unquote plot is happening, but it feels like it has just as much love and care put into it. Mm. Um, some technical things. I really like how fast. I, I barely use fast travel, but I really like fast travel's implementation in this. If you pull up the map and want to fast travel somewhere, you pick exactly like where on the map you want to be. And it just zooms into the map and then you are there in, like, two seconds mm. to exactly, like, the the corner on the street you selected and you're just there. Um, that's really nice. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's really capturing that whole insomniac yes. thing with the, like, you just be in another place. Yes. Thanks, SSDs. You, you know what I'm about to sort of reference here. This is very much an insomniac game. Uh, finding ways to do mechanics that feel very, um, very this developer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Um, Accessibility-wise, there's most of the stuff is pretty comparable to what was in Miles Morales, um, for better and worse. It, it is pretty well-featured accessibility-wise. I will note, if you buy a physical copy and haven't done the, the updates for it, um, high contrast mode's a little glitchy. Sometimes you have to save and reload to get some stuff to work. There's also some weird things that are just like, um, 
just not present until like a December update, which is a bit weird. Things like non-dialogue, um, non-dialogue subtitles uh, or captions, um, uh, things like button remapping in-game isn't available for another two months. Some weird omissions that just feel kind of notable. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about this game I want to share once, like, spoilers are sort of out the way. Um, things I can, like, vaguely say at this point. I really like that Haley from Miles Morales Spider-Man is a more prominent character who is more present throughout the entire game this time. Yeah. And I really like a lot of the thoughtful choices they make around Haley's character. Um, for anyone who hasn't played uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, there is a side quest you can do where you meet a character called Haley. Um, she gives you a she gives you a scarf. It's very cute. Uh, she is a deaf character that uses American Sign Language, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of really nice touches in this around how she's integrated into the story. Things like Miles using text to speech and speech to text to have conversations with Haley while web swinging. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be sort of voice based phone calls for other characters. Um, stuff like. Uh, and this is this this is one I want to mention just because I think it's a really nice mixing of accessibility meets characterization. As a character, as default, Haley um, does not speak; just uses ASL. If you are someone that cannot read subtitles and needs voice acting, uh, they got a deaf voice actor in to do Haley's voice lines as an optional thing that can be read, mm. and I think that's a really good way of going about that. Um, yeah, I I binged this in like maybe two or three like de- like de- day sessions. I think it was about twenty five hours. I saw the credits roll, maybe thirty hours. Um, a uh, hundred percented, and like that's that's a reasonable chunk of time to be like I I played a game for a few days and finished it and feel like it's done and moved on. Um, absolutely love that game. I think it does a great job of scaling its narrative. Um, feeling constantly like it has new things to throw at you, uh, mechanically and narratively. Honestly kind of blown away at how much of the Spider-Man mythos they got out the way during this one game. They really did. It, Are they not planning a follow-up? I have my theories about what a follow-up's gonna be. Um, but yes, they really threw every- they didn't hold anything back. Um, and they managed to not make that feel overly crowded. It didn't feel like it was- it- it- Managed to feel like every storyline had room to breathe and felt satisfyingly concluded, despite the fact that it's like, oh yeah, we've already got a game's worth of uh, villains here. What if we threw like another three at you? Mm. Yeah, what if we had those two? Um, yeah, absolutely loved it. Spider-Man Two's great. Yeah. I... What about you? What you been playing this week? Well, um, yeah, not a lot to be honest. Oh, I I played some some Wall World. Yeah. 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 Um. So imagine, you know, Dome Keeper? Yeah. Imagine Dome Keeper, but instead of a dome, you have a giant spider that's walking up or down a wall. Aha! Uh-huh. And you find a little, like, a little notch in the wall, and it's like, ah, this is, this is where a mine will be. So you drill a hole, and you start going in and doing all the mining stuff that you would have done in, in Dome Keeper, but you've um, got potentially, like, You've found uh, a mine that's a certain type of material, so it's going to be way harder to get things, but you do get the type of uh, gems you need for uh, repairing your big spider. Mm. You've also got, uh, any time you break a block, you're getting like a very basic um, currency, yeah. and that currency can be used for things like um, 
like permanent upgrades between runs. Yeah. You've got this whole mechanic of occasionally you'll just stumble across uh, a little um, a hole in the wall that's not even like a, a full deep dive, <laughs> but somebody will give you like a, a, a blueprint or something for a particular type of uh, upgrade that you can have as a permanent between runs thing. Um, yeah, it's another one of those cheap little roguelike type uh, games, but it's, it's I, I think it just has a little bit more than Dungeon Keep uh, than than Dome Keeper. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Dome Keeper, but I think this is generally better. And I don't know which came first. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Um, well, uh, I, I managed to get my hands on a on a copy of Mario Wonder a little early. Oh, uh, that 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 uh that that shop that's uh, happy to you know sell a copy a little earlier than they're meant to is uh, strikes again every time. Right. Uh, so I've been playing a little bit of Mario Wonder. Um, yeah. I, I is it a little wonder? It is. It is pretty wonderful. I'm pretty charmed by it. Um. So I may be like two worlds deep into it so far, um, and on the surface, this is a 2D side-scrolling Mario game. Um, like, it would be very easy to say, this is a 2D side-scrolling Mario game, at its core, that's what it is. Um, the thing that is the, the, that immediately jumps out is the, the animation, um, I really like how the characters are animated, um, it is nice that we finally moved away a little bit from the, the same art design we had in the uh, like the DS New Super Mario Brothers um mm. and like there's a lot of personality and in the, the Wii U stuff yeah yeah there's a lot of personality in like this almost claymation-esque like animated style they've got now mm. it's really nice but the big thing is wonder seeds so <laughs> every level can be played as a traditional 2D side scrolling Mario level and you gain a wonder seed at the end of the level for completing it but there's also, in every level, an additional wonder seed to be found somewhere, and it's this big glowing seed, and when you touch it, shit gets weird. And that weirdness uh, is entirely unique to the level. Yes. Uh, the, the, it really feels like they had a room full of people go, what would be a fucking nutso... Bo- what would be a bonkers fucking idea for a Mario level? Cool, we're gonna do that for one level here, and never do it again. Um... And I don't want to talk about too many of them because the surprise of finding them is is a whole thing. But I will talk about one very early one to give like a sense of them. Um, I touched one in an early level and piranha plants started coming out of pipes uh, singing a song at me in a very... You know the ending of Portal 2 with the turrets singing? Yes. It was very much like that. And in time with the music, they're sort of coming out and doing their little song and you're having to jump around and dodge... All of these sort of piranha plants that are doing their little dance routine and sing song, mm-hmm. uh, while still trying to get to the end of a level. They just want to sing a little song. Yeah, they just want to sing a little song. Um, I think this game does a really good job of um, making its challenge optional. Um, every level has like a difficulty rating on it, saying like this is how challenging this level is going to be, mm-hmm. and uh, you only need to complete like. A certain number of levels and like a, a few of the, you know, Wonder Seed side challenges to progress through. You don't have to be doing like those optional challenges on every single level. But yeah, it's got that whole banjo kazooie. You don't need all of the, uh, yeah. the jigsaws to get to the end, but yeah. And there's a lot of places where like you'll get to an open area and it's like here's four or five different levels available. You're gonna need to do enough of them to get some seeds to move on. 
But it's not, they're not in a linear path, so it's not like, oh, I can't complete this one, I'm stuck and can't progress the game. Mm. It's like, no, I'll just go do that one and its bonus seed instead of that one. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you'll find just entire offshoot branches where it's like, hey, do you want, do you want some really fucking difficult uh, challenge levels? Unless start going... the badge stuff, right? Uh, so you start, like, uh, yes, we'll talk, we'll talk about the badge stuff. So there are badges you can get, and you can equip one of them at a time, and they change how the game gameplay of the game works. And they're things like, um, hold down the jump button to sort of flutter in the air for longer, or do a dash underwater, or, um, really once- parachute. Yeah, once per level when you fall in a hole, you bounce back up out of the hole. Um, th- things like this. And you usually get, like, a challenge level to, like, learn how to use that badge, and then they'll start going, like, what if we offer you some really fucking difficult optional challenges to, like, really master your use of that badge that will lead to, like, optional, even harder level areas? Mm. And it's like, if you're not looking for that kind of brutal challenge, it is entirely ignorable. But if you start, like, picking at those kind of challenges, it's like, oh, we see what you're after. Um, Come come this way. Go down yeah, this little that's... road here. Come, come walk down here. Um... The music, absolutely delightful. Um, it is, it is such a colourful, charming game that occasionally throws absolutely tough as nails challenges. Some of those optional challenges I've been trying to do, they feel harder than like late game Celeste. Wow. In terms of like, not only do you have like tricky platforming to do, but I found like a whole series of challenges to do with like um, doing really quick wall jumps mm. that was like, not only do you have to do these very accurate wall jumps without failing any of them, but you have to do it really quickly because the platforms behind you are disappearing and you, you have so little wiggle room for error to do those wall jumps quickly enough that there's still platforms for you to land on at the other end. Yes. And I'm like, that's not for everyone, but I really appreciate that like, not that far in they're like, hey, do you want a challenge? fuck around with this shit. Yeah, because you were at that for a while. I heard you oh. cursing quietly in the corner for ages. Yes. <laughs> yes. But... I never got off. <laughs> yes. But again, I like that that stuff is completely... Hey, if you go if you go poking around for it, you'll find it. But, like, if you're not having fun with it, yeah, the, the plot's over the this way. The Come, game's over there. Yeah. Um, I'm very charmed by it so far. Mm. Um, I, it feels like it's got sort of the graphics on par with something like um, New Super Mario Brothers, while also having a lot of the kind of charm of something like um, Odyssey or even yeah. World. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got that. There's more characterization going on, and uh, there it's... seems based on on the few levels that I've seen that there is a whole degree of. Different levels are going to be different ways of doing things, though. Yeah. Like, I don't know if some of this stuff is going to come back up later, but, like, thing with the the running bulls. Uh, and yes. I think we saw this this uh, yeah, in, yeah. in the demo as well. Like, a whole, like, well, do you, like, what can you do? Well, I, like, as I was moving through, I noticed that that tree shook when I jumped on it, so if I butt stomp it, I can make yeah. it go lower so I can make the thing run across there and then I can get to something else. Yes. Or it, even catapult myself up into the sky. It, it really feels like no two levels have, like, stuck on a theme. Mm. Um, like, I just did one, and I don't think this idea is going to stick around, where it was a whole level where the whole gimmick was there is an enemy type that jumps when you jump. Oof. And you either, like, jump to get it to jump onto an, a higher platform so that you can sort of walk under it, or, like, it falls down kind of slowly, so you can jump, do a little jump, and they do a big jump, and you run under them. Um, 
and like trying to work out how to navigate this level where enemies are like their jumping is entirely in your control. Mm. Uh, was it, like that was a really fun idea, and then it's like, yep, we're done with that. Off we go to <laughs> new mechanics. Next. It's it's one of the more like creative. It feels like they have a lot of ideas here, mm. and that's really neat. So yeah, I want to put more time into it, but I I'm absolutely loving it. Yeah, Mario Wonder is pretty damn charming. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What you been playing? This I played week? with this. It's a crazy cube. Yeah, it looks like a Rubik's cube, but there's circles in the middle. So, um, how how would you describe this? It's it's a Rubik's cube. There is, it's a three by three. Yeah, there is like a circle around the central piece, and when you turn the face, the cir- the the that circle, everything within that circle stays where it is. But on the sides, it will take the little bit of the circle that pokes into the sort of top edge piece. Yeah. with it. Which means that you're not only it's it's sort of almost a five by five. I was gonna but say it, it's it's a five by five on the faces, but not on the edges. E- sort oh, of. Oh, sorry, on the, on the edges, but not on the corners. Yeah. Um, but also, it isn't because because of the way it moves. These edges can only be rotated around this place. Then you can't move the edges to another part yeah. of the cube. Because they can't be moved by anything other than the uh, the face rotating that's adjacent to it. So mm. you don't have to worry about things getting like shoveled off um, to ridiculous places. You've just got to think about extra steps while doing a particular yeah. section of the solve. And it's quite interesting because I found that doing last layer stuff, you have to solve it like like beginner mode for, for a Rubik's Cube. Because if you try and do more complicated stuff, it starts shunting around these bits. Oh. Suddenly, those suddenly those um, bits can't um, you you can't like do um, really advanced. Uh, so you got to solve it like stuff. I would solve it. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you can do F two L. Yeah, you can do first two layers, but you can't do uh, O L L P O L with like really advanced stuff. You just kind of have to like do the yellow cross or, or mm. whichever color you picked. Um, like do a couple of things to make sure that the uh, edges match up with the little centerpieces that you're trying to solve, and then do the like uh, beginner's mode version for sorting the corners out and permeate, permeate, permeating yeah. those. Um, but yeah. What about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, that's it for me, really, this week. I think. Uh, Ooh, anything else for you? That's me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Goodbye, Sunday Design. Now, <laughs> prepare for blizzards. Hi. Who are you? Hi. Um. Hi. Um, blizzards. I was high weather. Um. So you, it was summer just like two seconds ago. Yes, I told it to fuck off. I'm here now. Well, oh, that's that's lovely of you. Um. Usually, there's this thing that comes in between summer and and winter called autumn. Never heard of it. Haven't seen it in a while. No, can't be asked. No, usually... Speed running. Usually it's a really nice little, like, radiation. It sort of helps... Radiation? No, No, that was summer. No, it smooths... Codiation sort of smooths the transition. So that there's, like, an in-between between very hot and very cold. Well, there's less chance of you getting a cold if I don't futz around with the speed at which the temperature changes. Go now! I don't think that's how it works. Could you just... Could... Could... You're looking very rosy in the cheeks there. Yeah, I was very warm and now yeah, I'm Yeah, very... look how chapped your lips are getting now. Could I just have, like, one week of, like, the leaves getting brown? Nope, I've already blown them all off. 
<laughs> okay, well, when you're done, could we at least, like, skip straight back to, to summer? Do we have to do spring? No. Rain. Sleet. Sleety rain. Slain. Slarin' them. Maybe a hurricane. Typhoon. Monsoon. Oh. Rain. Rain sideways. <laughs> Winter. <laughs> I have had a great idea. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about so, it. So, you know how everyone's going back to pri- piracy, right? Yeah, yeah. Cause, and and the piracy is a problem. Yeah, because it's too much money to pay for all the different, uh, you know, uh, providers that have all the media. Yeah, no one can pay for all the different places that, you know, they want to watch the things. But yeah. we, we want to make streaming great again, right? Like, I, I don't want to be paying for a bunch of stuff. I, I, I just want to pay for one thing and get, get the stuff I want to watch. Yeah, and people are putting ads on streaming services now, right? Yeah, which I don't want to see ads. Yeah, people don't want to see ads. This has basically become cable all over again. So what I am proposing is a single streaming service that has, you know, 99% of all the, the movies and the, the shows that people love and, like, you know, maybe in a few years it could become a hub for, for new animation and things like that. I propose some kind of, um, like a, like a, like a, uh, like a blockbuster. Remember those? Oh, yeah, but, they had, like, everything there. But, like, but like any, digital. Yeah, like, anything I wanted to watch, like, there was a good chance it was going to be in that one place. Yeah. It's an app on your TV, or on your phone, or your mobile device. Yeah. Right. And you, you, you just log in, and you watch the things you want to yeah. watch. Regardless, like, regardless of, of who made it, it's, it's all in one place. It's all in one place. People won't need to steal things anymore, because it's all I in can just pay for the one thing one where place. All, all of the stuff's conveniently available. I, I think, you know, it will, so it will exist online, it's a place to watch films, maybe, um, like a films net. Uh, Interfilms. Flixnet. Netfilms. Netfilms. Netfilms, yeah. Netfilms. Sign up to Netfilms. It's, um... Definitely an original new idea. It's less than all of the individual things. We've had a very innovative idea here. Yeah, never before seen. (laughs) So... What have you put in your eyes? Well, what have I put in my eyes that, that can I can talk, talk about? Because we're still respecting the uh, the the SAG after strike. Uh, fuck the AMPTP. Oh and my god, that's terrible! Right? Uh, apparently, after days and days and days of negotiations, the AMPTP uh, offered a deal that was worse than the deal they offered before the strike had begun. Uh, and when that was refused, they walked out. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck that. Support the the WGA. Uh, but I've been watching a bunch more mm, stuff on YouTube, because that's stuff I can talk about in the watch section. Yeah. We watched the other night over dinner a two-part uh, Skyward Sword randomizer playthrough by Linker7. He doesn't enjoy that game. He doesn't enjoy that game. Especially not on the Wii. No. Um, I, look, I I can't blame anyone who plays that game and has trouble with the, with the controls and dislikes the game as a result. I cannot blame anyone for that. It hurts. It hurts seeing people hate that game as much as they do. I love that game. It's one of my favorite Zelda's. It's, it's got some lovely ideas. It's, it's got it's, some cool fights. It's got some interesting it, scene, sceneries it, and set pieces. It makes me deeply sad that that game's negative reception means we will probably never get another game like it. I'm like, as much as I love those controls, if that game hadn't had those controls, it probably wouldn't be have been as violently pushed away as it was. What if they made Skyward Sword even more accessible? What if? What if? 
Uh, but it was it was a fun playthrough to watch uh, because, well, it's a randomizer and so many chests in that game just contain um, gratitude crystals. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm not usually the one to watch things like this and be a little masochistic about it, but I was <laughs> I was sat on the sofa just going, okay, okay, he's opening a chest. Gratitude crystal, gratitude crystal, gratitude crystal. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and then sat there like... What if the reward for a gratitude crystal was another gratitude crystal? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I I don't know why. I got a little. I wanted. To, I wanted to, look. He he. I liked that game, and he wasn't enjoying the game. And I kind of wanted to see him suffer as a result, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, but other video that again was him that we watched was um. The Wind Waker Randomizer Pokemon mod. Oh, that looked really fun. Right? With all the little Pokemans. Yeah. Although, though, collapsed Zelda at the end was kind of sad. Oh, the Lati- Latias Zelda? Uh, yeah, Latias Zelda. Um, yeah, so this was a, mo- a, a, a randomizer of Wind Waker, but things like the, the, the leaf that you, the Deku leaf, mm-hmm. is a Charizard when you're gliding on it. It's a Stunfisk when you're sort of blowing things with it. Your whip is an Ekans. Professor Oak is there. Uh, yeah, it's the uh, the guy who trains you to be a knight. Yeah. Um, a lot of the choices of what things should be in that were really funny. I very much appreciate Magnemite uh, hookshot. Yes. Where the magnet sort of flies out and then pulls oh. the magnet to it. Oh. Um, yeah, that that looked pretty fun. I, need, I, I might give that a go at some point. It looks pretty fun. Yeah. What about you? What have you been watching this week? Um, nothing I can talk about, really. Yeah. Should I I've, I've, what? I've skimmed around a bit on TikTok. I've watched that video with you. We watched uh, we watched some new breaking news and some new dirty laundry on Dropout. Yeah. Dropout. Support Dropout. Support uh, Dropout. A service you can currently watch things on and talk about. And they they pay their actors and yeah, their people well, apparently. Yeah. Um, I can talk about a couple of other things. Yes. Um, uh, we, I think, we watched this together. Um, uh, you, a person on YouTube called Peter Widden, uh, did a video called Training AI to Play Pokemon with Reinforcement Learning. That was interesting to watch the, um, the outputs of that with, I mean, I guess it's all sort of overlaid on, on top of each other. Just yeah. watching, like, everyone, all, all of the little characters yeah. sort of spawning out from their start it's- position and slowly, Scrolling over this expanding map. Yeah, on on paper, it is an interesting video about someone trying to create a set of uh, rewards that will encourage an AI to successfully make progress in Pokemon, and the problems that come up uh, come up in that. Uh, things like I rewarded, uh, you know, going to a place where the screen looks different, and they stood by some water because the waves were moving, and that was enough novelty for them. Yep. But the thing that I think made that video work so well is, as you were suggesting, is the visualization. Um, like, the latter half of that video where they're talking about, like, a lot of the findings has, like, visualizers of the map of, like, the Gen 1 Pokemon games with all of the little sprites of all of the runs running around in real time doing the things they were doing. Yes. And those, like, flow visualizations, clearly so much work went into making... This very easy to understand visual representation of like hundreds of generations trying to make progress. Mm. It was a, it was a neat little video. It was. Uh, and I watched one other thing I will recommend yes. um, by a person on YouTube called Justin Bay. Uh, can you beat Tears of the Kingdom with sages only? Can you? You you can. Um, it it, it was it, it was interesting. So, uh, the the gist was once uh once you get off of the uh, the starting island. 
Can you deal no da- Can you complete the game dealing no damage other than damage dealt by sages? Um, the first one they went for was um, Minoru um, for the, the mech, which did involve having to glitch through a door that you're not meant to go through before you have a certain number of hearts. Right. Um, because Minoru, you can like directly control one-to-one and do attacks with and fuse a bunch of stuff to and like create weapons for different situations. So I was like, yep, that makes sense. That's a good direct one to deal mm-hmm. with. And then trying to work out how to handle all of the other sages. Um, Mineru 100% was the MVP and the only reason that that challenge is completable. <laughs> um, the number of problems that Mineru can solve is fucking ridiculous if you get her early. Um, so yeah, that was that was some things I watched that I can talk about this was week. Was that the same person that did the no going back into the same location? I No, different person. But we did. We watched a video... Um, I don't remember the YouTuber, but they 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 had a little clay slug. Yes, um, that was their face reveal. As their face, clay slug. Yes, um, who did a video about uh, how how many side quests and side adventures can you do in Tears of the Kingdom? Never going back to an area of the map once you've been there once. Yes. Uh, so Which it was difficult because you have to avoid going to the central area. Yes. For the longest possible yes, time. Yes, because you have to go to the cent- to central Hyrule to get to the end of the game. Which meant no paraglider. Yes. So it was, a, it was a very interesting challenge in like routing and working out how best to get between places. Yes. And what quests were physically doable. Because any quest that requires you to start somewhere, leave and then come back to where you started, instantly off the table. Yes. Um, and the, the whole thing about this quest going along this river, the uh, dividing line oh. between two areas is, like, right on the border, so you yeah. have to make sure you stay on one side of the Well, like, get out the river on this side, walk this little bit, and then get back in the yeah. river. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting, interesting challenge yeah. video. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I've been watching this week. Well, then. <gasps> Time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. <gasps> Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you use social media? I unfortunately do, yes. Do you use multiple social medias? I do. It's, I have, like, a list of them that, like, they go in a certain order that I talk about at the end of the show. And would you say that, uh, as a whole, they have got more profuse and also, you know... Just a lot of extra work to, you know, make sure oh. you're exposing, especially when they don't have like a desktop app or anything. God, yeah, God, yeah. Yeah. Well, what if there was a way to reduce the amount of time you spent on social media? Ooh, tell me more. Introducing socialmediareducer.lol.net. This innovative ooh, service is free to use. To you, anyway, for now. Okay. We'll reduce your usage on key social media platforms. Okay, okay, I'm listening. By installing <gasps> insufferable ownership. Oh. They will make the product worse over time. They'll remove features. They'll start charging for things oh. that had previously been free. They oh. will become much more right-wing. More, you know, they'll, you know, bring all the problematic people back. I mean... They'll uh... fuck around with the features so that certain things don't work. They might even change the whole name of the thing. I... I suppose that would make me want to use them less. Yeah, so using threads right now, uh, what if you were using, I don't know, Zucker World? 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. Do I do I have to like sign up for this or is this like Oh no, this will just come to your pre-existing social media services. Oh, so convenient. So so convenient. It so, comes to you. So convenient. And then you get all the fun of having to go off to all of the Splinter Group social oh. media versions that come from that. It's variety. The monkey paw has curled its finger and this is what I get. Yeah. Uh, a bum exam. <laughs> I think that's what you get with that. <laughs> the monkey's paw is like, it's like, mm, checking the bum hole. <laughs> that's really not what I wanted, monkey's paw. Bum hole check. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. So that's bum hole. I oh, know that's social media usage reducer.lol.net and find out who's about to fuck up your day. I bet it's the billionaires. I bet you're right. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, some of the staff are getting wise. I thought we were doing a whole thing where we were limiting the amount of oxygen that went into their floor. Yeah, So that it would, you know, mess with their brain cells. And And that has been working pretty well. But uh, some some news stories have been talking about layoffs and have been pointing out that uh, a lot of companies, uh, you know, us included, keep people on probationary periods for ages so we can fire them. You know, we don't have to be like, we didn't fire you, you just didn't pass probation. Yeah, we don't right? have to give you any kind of severance or anything. Yeah, exactly. And, like, while you're on probation, we don't have to give you, like, you know, health care and stuff. Right. So, I've been trying to think of ways we can rebrand uh, probationary periods to, like, get away from that wording. Because, like, if we don't call it the thing people have heard of, they won't right. realize we're doing it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I've, I've been coming up, I've been coming up with something. I got a, I got a little slideshow sure, for sure. you. Sure, uh, Let me, let me pop this up here. So what if instead of a probationary period, we saw a video game terminology yet? Because, you know, all the people applying to work here are nerds. Oh, like a tutorial. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, you're, you're not in your probationary period. You're in your tutorial leveling period. Right, yeah. You're, yeah, uh, yeah. you're learning all of the required gameplay skills before you get into the main game. Right. Uh, oh, oh, what about, like, early access? Ooh, I like that. I like that. Get, your, your job hasn't actually released yet. You're just, yeah. you're just playing your job in the early access yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're just getting a feel for. This, the this job, is a beta maybe. test. This is a beta yeah. test for the job. Uh, yeah. your your job is in pre-alpha right now. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. you know, as such, uh, bugs such as you no longer working here should be expected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you should just expect that. Exactly. I I reckon. Look, I reckon if we throw enough of these words uh, and like put some, I don't know some uh, some D pads and and question blocks and whatever around the yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the email. Gamify it to yeah, the max. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, what have you put in your ears? Oh, I put a couple of new bits of music in my ears this week. Yes. Uh, I listened to a track called Void Adjacent by June Henry. Uh, this is a sort of acoustic folk track about a non-binary person struggling with their relationship to their body and others gendered attractions to them Mm -hmm. it is a very short track i think it's like two minutes but it is like it's it's very poetically written i enjoyed a lot of the lyricism going on i also listened to a track called dead name by peach rings uh which is sort of acoustic guitar somber track about kind of feeling detached from a person you no longer are but that others other people might still kind of want you to be and I listened to a track with a great name, 
The Intersection of High and Gay uh, by Daddy and the Long Legs. <laughs> Excellent. Right? Uh, which is this like very fast-paced folk punk track about wanting closeness and intimacy in a friendship and sort of both wanting to trust someone and wishing they trusted you enough to be vulnerable with mm. you. Uh, so those were some interesting tracks I listened to this week. Yeah. Uh, what about you? You listened to anything this week? Uh, I mean, we went to see Tim, uh, uh, Trans Global Underground play we live. Did. We did. Um, well, I think we talked about them before uh, a little while back, but they have been around for like 40 odd years at this point. This, this is the band we saw play in a tent and it smelt like someone had lit the fucking crop. Yes. <laughs> someone had, was burning it by the bale, to be honest. Um, yeah, it, they play basically live drum and bass. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's really good stuff. Uh, a lot of it's quite political, like, um, we come to tear your walls down. Yeah. And I guess you can work well, what that's all about. Um, yeah, and uh, I think any, any, any drummer who can keep up with drum and bass is very impressive. Um, and they got great synths in there as well. Uh, they had a, a guest singer c- come do some stuff with them. Yeah, it was a, a really lovely show, and the crowd really lovely, and uh, yeah, it was it was just a nice time, and yeah, always really enjoy listening to Transglobal Underground live because uh, it's just a good excuse to have a proper old wiggle, right? Yeah, we listened to a whole bunch of other drum and bass that night, but unfortunately I could not name any of it. No. It was not revealed to me. No, no, but that's... we, we The ones who were in the room making music, we we made sure to know who they were. Yes. We knew them. We went for them, specifically. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a, a good time to listen to some good old drum and bass. Yeah. Uh, you listen to anything else? No, that's about it for me. Well then. <gasps> time for this. Are you getting a bit of the claw hand there? Oh, yeah. Yes, I've noticed that. You're finding you're maybe getting some, some pain there in the thumb? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know what that is, don't you? Oh, I, yeah. I dread the word. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a sign of the old carpal tunnel yeah, yeah. problems, you know? We don't need. Yeah. Of course, you know a good solution for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do, is, is it stretching exercises and avoiding clutching over a computer? No. No, it's not. Uh, well, would you like to join us in the woods? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, was this connected to Cure? Hi, the we're a band of snazzly-dressed freedom fighters, outlaws, you could say. But, you know, re- rebels, maybe, if you would like, if you like, if that's cool, if that's what the kids are down with. Uh, yes, we're uh, looking for people to join us in fighting back against capitalism. We've got bows, arrows, swords, quarterstaffs. And this is going to cure my carpal tunnel? Yes, because we'll get rid of capitalism. No capitalism. Are you, are you sure I'm not going to get it from from holding the bow, the, the arrow very tightly? Well, you could have a, a bow staff instead, or a sword, or a shiv. It's going to be kind of painful to hold with the carpal tunnel. Shiv. Okay, you can push things. You can push a cart. Okay. Or you can push a landlord off a bridge. Yeah. Join us. We've got more spaces. This might look like any normal little. Township. The shops are bustling. The cafes are bright and airy. That is until the possums show up. The possums are adorable little chubby fellows. They run around eating all of the food, and there's nothing the dog cops can do to stop them. Look at that one there. It's running around 
Oh, it's, it's eaten so much of that giant platter of fish while the dog just wasn't looking in the right direction. Now he's just a, a round little guy trying to get further up. He's eaten enough to acquire some kind of key. I assume that's a bit like finding a shilling in a Christmas pudding. Finally, the intrepid possum finds its way to the top of the hill and manages to eat the entire pizza belonging to the king. Now, the possum is indeed the king and will run around screaming in an almost adorably delightful way. Isn't nature beautiful? Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Bang. How you doing? Oh, uh, bit out of sorts, to be honest, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, cold weather's hit suddenly, you know. Yeah. Uh, my whole life is a bit out, a bit out of order. Yeah, I mean, it should suddenly be. sort of changed all of a sudden, isn't it? Yeah, it's all, all changed a bit. You, you doing all right, mate? Yeah. Oh, I'm doing all right, doing all right. Just uh, been uh, paying attention to the... Uh, uh, the worsening state of uh, people's access to ADHD medication. You've been uh, seeing this all going on. Uh, well, I've, I've heard mutterings from from few people. Yeah, I've heard I've heard mutterings going on for a while, but I've heard you know more more frequently recently. Uh, you know, people getting contacted by their pharmacists or their GPs being told like. Uh, we don't really have much ADHD medication available, and uh, we're gonna have to start thinking about rationing it a bit. Oh, all right, Which yeah. Is, yeah. You know, it, it's, it, it's is, is this part of the whole? You know, America doing the we, we're just gonna stop producing it because best, uh, best I can tell, it's it's run off from that. Right, right. Which like right. it impacted America first because like that you know they were just like directly getting their stuff there as yeah, opposed to like yeah. there were other reserves in other places going on. But right, uh, yeah. yeah, it's... It, it, <laughs> It's frustrating because uh, a lot of the way I've seen this being talked about is, uh, you know, some of it's been a bit victim blaming. It's been blaming people who have recently been diagnosed, going, oh, too many people got diagnosed and not enough to go around now, you know. Uh, which, you know, we wouldn't do that for any other kind of medication. No, no. But uh, the other side of it is I've seen a lot of people, you know, going, oh, you just have to go without it for a while. You know, it's not like it's, hot. it's like a life-saving medication or anything. You'll be fine. And that's I could still, you know, lose my job because I'm not able well, to, to focus or well, concentrate that's, that's in the way the thing. I should be. It's, yeah. it's, it's frustrating seeing it talked about that way because it shows a real misunderstanding about like how important it is in people's... Like, A, as you say, you know, it's, it, suddenly going off of medication that helps your brain work... Uh, is is not going to make it easy for you to ho- do things like hold down a job and keep your life going, yeah. you know, reasonably. But the other side of it, and like, this should be fairly obvious, you know, for any any mental health medication, suddenly not having access to it, it's not just you go back to not having the medication. Yeah. You you sudden you you know in a non titrated way you suddenly go from having it to not having it. That comes with adverse side effects. Yeah. You know, suddenly not having the thing your your brain has gotten used to having a function can cause some real problems. You know, if you if you've not gotten used to, if you've gotten used to not having like issues with impulse control, and then suddenly you're finding it hard to control, be, you know, your impulses. 
that is not going to go well. No, you know? I mean, it's, you've, you've got obviously, you know, uh, fairly common side effects of, uh, you know, binge spending, binge yeah. eating, you know, you can, you can be uh, detrimental to people's health uh, uh, overall. Poor, uh, worse uh, uh, tracking of time, time management, yeah. organisation, you know, the, uh, memory. Obviously, people talk a lot about uh, the potential uh, job loss and things like that. You know, if, if someone's got any kind of deadline... Uh, just just generally losing track of any, yeah. everything, or even yeah. you know, and even outside of you know uh, your ability to serve capitalism, <laughs> you know, it, it, things like just being able to do the things you love doing. Like, let's yeah. say you've you've gotten really into a hobby, uh, you know, since getting medicated that requires you to sit and focus on on a thing. You know, yeah. maybe it's yeah. like you know, uh, mo- uh, painting or building models or whatever, yeah. and suddenly. You're not medicated, and you can't focus on the thing that was your comfort thing to do. You yeah, know, instead you you know you're back to your um oh yeah, uh, executive dis- dysfunction. You know, yeah. all, all day just well, I, I did nothing. What did I do? I felt guilty all day about the yeah. fact that I hadn't done anything. Uh, Eleven hours happened, and I felt very anxious about the fact that I was doing nothing while I scrolled TikTok and did nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. I internally screamed at myself for eight hours for for being unable. Why, why to can't anything. I initiate a task? I yeah, want to like yeah. I, I've got that video game over there. I want to start playing. I would have a great time doing it, but it's not the task I'm currently doing, so I can't initiate the task. Yeah, and now I'm just yeah. going to beat myself up over having not done it. Yeah, I, I fear the reason I do often relate it to the uh, the ways that uh, it affects uh, capitalism and so forth is partly the whole. It very much feels like the the way. Uh, ADHD is is medicated and, and generally treated by the uh, health service in the UK, especially at the moment. Yeah. Uh, with a here's some meds, bye. Yeah, uh, and then that's what med and and even trying to get a diagnosis is very much a how does this affect your ability to work with capitalism? And that is the sort of the mindset you have to slip into uh, while yeah. you're you know trying to seek a diagnosis, which I, I have recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Where's the mate? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Good hug, mate. Good hug. Right, then I'm going to put the kettle on. Oh, sounds like a plane. Nice, nice. So, Laura, yes. you do things, and those things are on the internet, and those people You're people right. can enjoy those You're things. You're right, I do stuff. And you've got a book, too. Yeah. By, Tell us about these things. By the time most people hear this, that book's going to be out. It's out on October 19th. It's Stories of Autistic Joy. Yeah. Uh, it is an anthology of stories by a wide array of uh, autistic authors from various places around the world, different backgrounds, different support needs, uh, different uh, all sorts of different experiences of being autistic. Sharing stories of joy that feel innately tied to their being autistic, be that uh, the joy of echolalia, or uh, the joy of uh, happy stimming, or uh, sitting and organising things obsessively, and like taking a autistic internal perspective on joy. Uh, it's it's out October being 19. yourself yeah. unapologetically autistic exactly being an autistic person and being joyous oh. uh, it's out October 19th by the time many of you listen to this that will have happened uh, go check it out wherever books are sold um, other than that I am at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills Blue Sky, Mastodon Threads, um, threads in, in theory 
Um, yeah. <laughs> as much as anyone else's, huh? I, I look, if, if they had a desktop app, I would be using threads more. That's the thing. I, I struggle <laughs> with ones that are only on mobile, because that doesn't work in my workflow. Anyway... Um, things that are up at the moment, there is a PS5 access controller and Spider-Man 2 accessibility reviews. There's a video going up on the 20th of October about the one-handed Xbox controller that got leaked and some thoughts about that. Mm -hmm. Um, beyond that, you'll have to wait and see. I've, mm. I've, oh, I've got things in the Secrets. works. Yeah. Criticals of the sea. Exactly. What about you? Where are you on the internet? Um, well, I've got a link tree. It's linkter.ee slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find all the things I do. You can find the music, t-shirts, all the stuff I designed, uh, all the stuff I create to try and entertain people. And you can help support my shit at uh, patreon.com slash Radio. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify 76-hour work week and all that stuff. You can come hang out on, on Twitch or, or on, on our Discord and come say hi. We've got lovely, lovely, lovely people who are lovely and deserve all the good things. You deserve all the good things. <gasps> tell tell your friends about the things we make here here, here, here on Corn and Strangers. Uh, Laura, yeah. will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger.